are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all ready for the weekend. We are just a couple of hours away from a fantastic weekend coming up. Lots going on in the world of sports. A lot going on this weekend in the world of sports. We're going to cover it all today here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Carter, happy Friday, brother. Happy Friday, man. I, I also i am laughing because I think I just broke the TV in the studio. Shocker, man. It's shocker. <laughs> but uh, what are you trying to put on? I just was changing the channel, oh, and okay. then the whole thing just froze and shut down. Well, it happens. It's all right. It looks like it's back on now. Oh, they're showing Celtics highlights from last night. That was a fantastic game, by the way. <laughs> Celtics beat the Warriors. We carried that here on ESPN 106.7. I actually listened to it after Lee Scott last night. It was a great game. Uh, Celtics, best team in the NBA, by the way. But hope you're all doing well on this Friday afternoon. Phone lines are open all day today. We'd love to hear from you. What's on your mind? What are you going to be watching this weekend? What are you going to be doing this weekend? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 3 Three three four three two one thirteen ninety and uh jumping jack hudden will join us in studio i assume the second hour that's normally what he does um so yes i believe i talked to him yesterday and that's what he said uh he was gonna do cool i'm not used to seeing him three days in a row like yeah well to. you guys did the drive yesterday everything went well <laughs> sounded good so uh I, you've been doing double duty this week on on espn you've been doing a great job and we you have double duty one more time today yes, it'll sir. be you and brian matthews on the drive this afternoon so yeah. uh should be a great show With brian drew is, on the controls yeah i should have given him more more credit for for uh being on the controls yesterday yeah that that's okay fault. that's and all right up, drew that's my bad <laughs> well you look you've been doing double duty on espn i have been uh obviously doing our show and then pulling uh double duty with lee scott since i've been doing that solo you've been here i've been doing that it's been a wild week around the stations but has been, uh, has been, we are sure. wrapping it up it's been a great week though there's just so much going on and we just have we're, we're very lucky to have all the things that we do. Multiple sports talk shows, multiple high school sports. Uh, it's a busy night tonight in high school sports, by the way. Uh, Lee Scott is at home again against Fort Dale tonight. It'll be the Varsity Girls at 5 o'clock and then the Varsity Boys to follow. So right after our show today, I've got to hightail it over to Lee Scott Academy, set up and be ready to go uh, to call what is supposed to be a very, very good varsity girls game uh, and then hopefully a competitive varsity boys game as well. Lee Scott boys tearing it up, 20-1, and 7-0 and in region play. Uh, they, they are playing really, really well. That'll be on AU100. That's 100.3 FM. You can find that on your radio dial at au100fm.com or in the AU100 app. Also, other high school sports going on tonight. We have Auburn High, who will be at 
at home against Central tonight. That'll be on 96.3 W. Lee with Jack Hudden on the call on the Auburn High School Sports Network. The Auburn High boys, if they win tonight, they will win and clinch the area title. So they are off to their best start uh, in a long, long time are the Auburn High boys basketball team. So that'll be with Jack Hudden. They will go on the air about 5.15, 5.20-ish uh, with the girls starting at 5.30. So make sure you tune into that as well. That should be exciting. Auburn High versus Central tonight, 5.30, 96.3 W. Lee and Lee Scott basketball uh, beginning at 5 o'clock on AU100. That's 100.3. So lots going on. Then you and Jack tomorrow for after the game, after Auburn and South Carolina, a game that we will talk about and preview today. Uh, you guys will go on the air about 4.45, 5 o'clock right after the game goes off. So be sure you tune in for that here on ESPN 106.7 with Carter Bird and Jack Hutton. Uh, man, we got a lot of stuff to plug, huh? Absolutely, we got a lot man. going on, man. Got a lot going on. But uh, again, hope you're all doing well. Now that we got all that out of the way, let's get into what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going to start the show talking some NFL playoffs because uh, the divisional rounds are coming up this weekend. couple of games tomorrow, couple of games on Sunday. Then we'll get into Auburn basketball. Again, they're on the road at South Carolina. Then we'll talk some football in hour number two. And we'll make some picks in the late second hour for Auburn, South Carolina, and other college basketball games. So that's sort of what's on the schedule for today. Going to be a good one. Going to be fun. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open all day today. It's Friday, January 20th. Uh, I just can't believe we're almost through January. That is just... Yeah, it's crazy, right? Wild, man. Time flies by when you're having fun. That's what they say. But hey, let's get into what's going on around the NFL this weekend in the playoffs because some big matchups, obviously some important matchups with it being the playoffs. And just looking at it, I'm going to say Sunday looks a lot more fun than Monday or than Saturday, uh, just looking at the matchups themselves. But I mean, both days should be really, really good. Um, your thoughts on the matchups coming up this weekend in the NFL playoffs? I mean, I, I think all four of these games have a chance to be competitive. The more I kind of sit and look at it, I think the Saturday games might turn out to be better than the Sunday games. I'm, I'm going really? to differ from you. Wow. I, think, I think this Jags team is very underrated. Uh, I think they're very talented. Uh, I think that Man, wouldn't they be so much fun if you had Calvin Ridley out there as well? He'll be back next year. But uh, that that would have made this so much more fun if if he serves his year-long suspension for the regular season and then they just unleashed him in the postseason uh, out of nowhere just to see the extra bit of chaos that that sprinkles into the NFL playoffs. I think the Eagles might have some trouble with the Giants. There's a lot of people... Like in the Giants in that game against the Eagles, I think there's a lot of people liking the Giants. I think the 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 Eagles are not a hundred percent healthy. I think the Giants are playing really good ball. Uh, the question for me is, can the do the Eagles just man up uh, with the Giants receivers and stack the box for for the run game? And uh, can the Giants receivers, Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins, can they win one-on-one matchups? Slayton had a great game in the wild card round. He uh, had a Hodgins very t- had a better game, too. Yeah, he did. Slayton did have a very timely drop that almost cost the Giants, but it ended up not costing them. Um, the Chiefs-Jags, man, 
I just don't see how this is close. I, I really don't. I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to score 40 points in this game. And I just don't know if Jacksonville can do it again, man. They came back in a historic game. They Trevor Lawrence had a horrible game and then came back and played really well and they came back and won. I just don't see them being able to do a whole lot. I have Kansas City and a blowout, man. I think Kansas City will have their way with Jacksonville tomorrow. I just think Doug Peterson is that good of a coach. And what he's done with this Jags team in one year has been nothing short of impressive. Oh, I agree. Uh, especially with what this team went through with Urban Meyer. Just seeing last week is a great example of it. Trevor Lawrence, first playoff game of his career. Throws four picks just in a row like that right off the bat. You get down 27-0. It'd be really easy for a young quarterback to kind of press and look to get it all back and and like start attacking deep and take even more risks Mm -hmm. because you got to climb back in the game. Doug Peterson, with the veteran mentality that he has and the the quarterback play he's gotten out of his quarterbacks in his career, I think he has that calming mentality. They really didn't push the ball down the field crazily after getting down 27 nothing, and they just got to work and started chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. They played their football, right? Mm-hmm. They played their ball. And he rebounds with, what, four touchdown passes? Yeah. After the four picks? It's crazy, man. It was absolutely crazy. And it was a great game. Uh, the comeback was obviously a lot of fun to watch. Supposed to be raining tomorrow in Kansas City is what is on the radar. Um, so, I just, look, all the credit in the world to Jacksonville for getting this far. Nobody thought they would. Nobody gave them any chance. And here they are in the divisional round playing the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't know how they're going to stop Patrick Mahomes because Jacksonville's defense isn't anything great. And I just think I think the Chiefs are going to put up 40-plus points, and Jacksonville just can't keep up. That's what I think is going to happen there. And I then, mean, it's probably the case. I just think that that there's something – I'm not going to count out Doug Peterson. The coaches involved right now, Doug Peterson and Brian Dable, I'm not going to count out. That's just fair. Just because – and I know Andy Reid is – I mean, probably what, the second best coach in the NFL right now? Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably fair to give uh, him he's that. Top five, no doubt about but, it. I mean, I he's mean, a great coach. There are three coaches right now that I believe are in such a rhythm with their team that they can compete with anybody. They can get their team to compete with anybody. And I think that's the Jags, the Giants, and the 49ers. Which is totally fair. And speak of the Giants, you brought it up a little bit. Giants at the Eagles. It'll be tomorrow night on Fox. Look, a lot of people like the Giants in this game because of how they played in the wild card, because of the Eagles being, like you said, a little banged up. Not too sure what you're going to get out of this Eagles team who did not have to play last week. What are you going to see? A lot of people are on the Giants plus seven and a half. A lot of people are on the Giants to straight up win the football game. It'd be really interesting. I think I they've got like a chance. It'd be a meltdown in in Philly if this Eagles team that was so dominant, and then you had Jalen Hurts get hurt, and they could kind of ease and limp their way to the one seed and the first round by. Well, if they get bounced in their first playoff game. I think that that fan base is going to be royally upset. And not just bounced in their first playoff game by the Giants. By a rival. By a rival, a division Mm -hmm. rival by the Giants, who, look, 
again, this is a team, they're 9-7. and seven. Like, this is not a crazy record team, but Daniel Jones played really well in the first game, and is, the Giants have a chance. Is it fair to say that Brian Dayball's his first year on the job in New York with the Giants is the most impressive coaching job in the NFL this year? I think you can make that argument. Think about because what the Giants have been. The Giants have been a laughing stock in the NFL. Think about what Daniel Jones has been, and all of a sudden he is a very capable, like, you can make an argument. He's top third third of the league quarterback right now, and he hasn't been remotely close to that in yeah. his career. I mean, New York fans wanted to put his head on a stake and move on years ago. Yeah. Years ago. And here he is, wins a playoff game, and is is being picked to beat you the know, Eagles. You know the, the comp that I heard? I think it was John Middlecoff who uh, – was former NFL mm-hmm. scout has the three and out podcast or something like that. I think that's the uh, title. He made a comparison for Daniel Jones with Brian Dayball that is so fascinating to me. He compared him to Alex Smith when Alex Smith was on the 49ers. Really? Because Alex Smith had some head coaches where he was kind of a big nothing burger, just kind of meh. And then Jim Harbaugh takes over and all of a sudden like, they're going on deep playoff runs, yeah. and he looks really good, and it revives Alex Smith's career. That's a really interesting comparison. It, it really is. I, I think that's a, an accurate comparison because, look, I don't want to overreact on one game from Daniel Jones in the playoffs, but with what he was and what the Giants were to what we saw in the first round, absolutely. And if they come out and compete against Philly tomorrow, then I'm in, right? I mean, you, you have to give credit where it's due. People are picking the Giants. I don't think they will win, but I do think they have a chance, and I like them plus seven and a half. Now, it is in Philly. you got to give them that. I just think of all these coaches in, in the playoffs at this point, I think you can make a serious argument that Dayball's coaching job this year is the most impressive because at least you can – Doug Peterson, he's a Super Bowl champion coach, and he has – the number one pick, former number one pick, mm-hmm. one of the most hyped quarterback prospects to come out of college and forever in Trevor Lawrence. Daniel Jones, everybody bailed on him. Everybody, everybody. bailed on him at this point in his career. And what Dayball has done to get this team. And keep in mind, he doesn't have any weapons. Yeah, They traded away Tony. Wandale Robinson goes down. Kenny Galladay. That was a joke of a signing. He hasn't done anything since he's gotten there. My favorite thing was going into week 18. It was like he had like six catches on the year. It's like, uh, Kenny Galladay only needs 72 (laughs) catches in week 18 to hit his bonus for the season. True. (laughs) Look, hey, don't forget about Saquon Barkley. He's been a little quiet. Yes, but, but he's like the only weapon they have yeah oh I agree look I think the Giants have a chance at Philly tomorrow I really do I agree here's the thing that blows my mind is the Cincinnati Bengals on the road at Buffalo are five and a half point underdogs at Buffalo on Sunday afternoon Cincinnati's good now they have some big injury problems their yes, offensive and, line and that's has what been I was gonna say their offensive line has been depleted and it sucks because Cincinnati has had an offensive line problem since I was born because I've kept up with them. I lived up there. I kept with, up with them, right? They have had an offensive line problem for 20 years. And they finally, finally, finally went after some dudes, signed some offensive linemen, helped out Joe Burrow, who's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And look, they're actually good. They made the Super Bowl last year and they had a chance to make a run at it this year. They've had some really 
untimely and really bad injuries on the offensive line. I think that's why you see the spread like it is, but do not count out Joe Burr. In the Bengals' defense, they went out and spent a bunch of money to address the offensive line this year. It took a while for it to gel. Yes. And then you lose Lyle Collins in December to a season-ending injury. Um, that I think did that. I remember watching that. Did did that happen in the Bills game? Did that happen? No, it was no. it was a week or two before that. But I remember watching that, and that was, I mean, he just got his knee just crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've ruled out their left tackle Jonah Williams this week and their right guard Alex Kappa this week. So they're down three of the initial starting five in this game. Now, you also have a Bills team that um, doesn't have Von Miller, who's been been out ever since his season-ending injury. So their pass rush isn't quite as bad. If anybody's going to overcome just not having an offensive line at all, it's Joe Burrow because he might be the toughest dude uh, in the NFL. He's so good, man. I mean, He's so like, good. He, he overcame it last year. shot after shot. He did it at LSU. I think he... I mean, that LSU offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, but they were not very good. They were not very good. If you go back, like, Derrick Brown ripped that offensive line to shreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He literally picked up one of the offensive guards and tossed him into Joe Burrow in 2019 for a sack. Yeah. Joe Burrow took a beating and made that offensive line good. And last year, and Joe Clyde Burrow. Edwards Elair as well. Yeah. Last year, Joe Burrow took the Bengals to the Super Bowl with a bad offensive line. And he's going to have to do it again. Yeah. Um, I think this game could turn into a shootout if Joe Burrow is able to hang in there and get passes off because the skill talent is awesome. You've got two good running backs, you've got two great receivers, and you've got a solid tight end. Uh, I mean, like, like every everything comes together for that team. The duo of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is is borderline unstoppable for Cincinnati. I want to continue this conversation on the other side. Plus, Cowboys 49ers, the most expensive ticket of divisional round weekend. We'll talk both of these matchups as we are off and running here on hour number one of the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, talking more uh, about the NFL playoffs. Of course, we were talking about Bengals Bills, and we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Who are you watching tomorrow? What's your picks for the divisional rounds? If you're into the NFL, we'd love to hear from you. I know we don't talk about it a ton, uh, but it's playoff time, and there's some big matchups, and it it is a lot of fun uh, to watch and talk about. So, again, talking Bengals Bills, and look, the injuries – uh, the injuries definitely are going to hurt Cincinnati, but I'm with you, Carter. I think this will be a, a shootout. I think it's the, the Bills' defense is not what it was last year. It's still good, but it's not what it was. And both of these offenses, they like to score, they like to air it out, and they've got some athletes. And so I do think it, it may come down to how many sacks the defense gets on each side and the turnovers. I think those are obviously those are two big things in the playoffs. And I do think that's probably what it comes down to. Yeah. I think that um, it'll be a really fun game. And I, I can't wait to see. I just want to see how this weekend plays out. Cause um, the most confident game I feel about one of the teams winning is that 49ers game. Well, let's talk, let's talk about it. The other three feel like they're very, very much up in the air to me. 
Yeah, look, the 49ers hosting the Cowboys Sunday afternoon, 5.30 on Fox. San Francisco, four-point favorites at home against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Look, man, I watched San Francisco play last week. That's a really good team, man. That's a really, really good team. They have the best defense in the NFL. They also have one of the most explosive players in the NFL. The trade for Christian McCaffrey was the best trade I've seen in a long, long time. The fact that they were able to get him is unbelievable. Is their quarterback anything great? No, but he doesn't have to be. He's playing solid ball. He's not great, but he's playing decent enough for them to be good. San Francisco is a good, legitimate Super Bowl contender. I think you are downplaying Brock Purdy a little bit. Oh, you're on the Purdy train, huh? I think he's been better than both of the guys that they had before that. And and those are, what, a second-round pick that they traded a bunch of picks for? uh, I'm not talking bad about him. I I think he's a solid quarterback. Well, I think he he fits, like, he takes more risk than Garoppolo ever did, which is a good thing in a Shanahan offense with these weapons. Uh, The... The way that he plays the game, I mean, granted, first half against the Seahawks, um, yeah, wasn't great. It was not great at all. Um, but the way that he battled back in the second half, and he played such a great second half mm-hmm. against the Seahawks, yes, the weapons helped, but I think he's been better than we than we really realize. I mean, it's been impressive. Now, here's something interesting. I mentioned that uh, San Francisco, four-point favorites at home, right? Money line is minus 190, so pretty good, pretty decent favorites at home on the betting line. ESPN's matchup predictor, Dallas, 53% chance to win. I, I don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that at all because of the fact that I feel that, that this – I think this 49ers team – is going to be a nightmare for everybody in the postseason because they're of all the weapons in in uh, on offense and the fact that they can line up in so many diverse personnel groupings. It is fascinating. I think I was watching some stuff on ESPN this week and the fact that they can run out Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Juszczyk, and McCaffrey and basically hit you with like six or seven different ways that they line up. Mm-hmm. check can line up as a tight end or a receiver because he's that athletic as a fullback. Kittle can be a fullback. Um, Debo can line up at running back. McCaffrey is good enough catching the football. He can line up out wide. Like They can do so many things that it's puts so much stress on defenses. And then Dak, in that game uh, on Monday night against the Bucks. He was able to use his legs by time. Um, that that Bucks defense has, has kind of gotten older. They're mm-hmm. slower. Uh, they aren't what they have been. This 49ers defense is very, very, very fast and and athletic. And I think it's going to be a lot harder for Dak to get out there and use his legs to buy time, to pick up first downs, to scramble. And I think we might see Dak regress to the guy who led the who was tied for the NFL lead in interceptions. Where does Dak Prescott rank in quarterbacks in the NFL, and how does this game this weekend impact that? In your mind, I think Dak's probably right now he might be outside outside the top ten uh, in quarterbacks in the NFL. He might be around twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I think I there's did, an I, argument. I, like I, as much as. He's put up big numbers in certain spots in his career. I don't think we've ever seen him 
elevate a team because there have been some really talented Cowboys teams that should have been a lot more successful than they were. We have not seen him just elevate a team and put them over the top and turn them into a legitimate, deep, playoff run, Super Bowl contending team. And that's, I think, a differentiator when you look at at the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Like, I don't think he's better than Lawrence. I don't think he's better than Mahomes. I don't think he's better than Hurts right now with the way that Hurts played this year. He's not better than Burrow. He's not better than Josh Allen. I mean, he he's not a top five quarterback in these playoffs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Dak does. What and I hate to say it this way because this is such a, a basic statement. When he's good, he's good. But when he's not, man, he's not. And here's my statement about Dak Prescott. I think he's very solid. I think he's very athletic. You when he again. When Dak Prescott is on, like the second half against the Bucks, Dak Prescott was seeing things like he's never seen before. But like you mentioned, the Bucks defense is not good. They are older, they're slower, they're just not as skilled as they used to be. But given that, Dak picked them apart and looked really, really good on Monday night against the Tampa Bay Bucks. What will that look like this weekend against the be best the defense in the NFL? The also, best also defense. Keep in mind. The 49ers had extra time to prep for this game because of when they played their game last week. They got mm-hmm. uh, an extra two days, right? Yeah, because they played they, they Saturday, Saturday and Dallas played Monday. Yeah, like that's going to have an effect. And, no doubt. And also, there remember there was uh, I mentioned it on Tuesday after that Monday Night Football game. Dan Orlovsky saw him on Twitter speculating that Kellen Moore had picked up. What the cowboy or uh, the the Bucks hand oh, signals yeah, yeah, yeah. were for defense, and was able to call the plays that attacked that perfectly. If that is true, it makes sense why Dak had his best playoff game of his career. Look, the thing about Dak Prescott is we know how talented he is. We know the injuries that he's had to go through, which have been extremely unfortunate for him, and has really like taken his career back a step. But at this point in his career, he's been in the NFL a pretty long time, longer than a lot of people realize. And I think with all of that being said, Dak Prescott is not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't think he will win a Super Bowl. And I don't think he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter what team he's on. I think he's good. I think he's really good. But I don't think he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. No, no, I 100% agree with you right now. I 100% do. Um, here's a question for you. If we ran through Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott right now? Right now, I'm I'm taking Dak. Okay. I, I'm i going to ask you that on Monday <laughs> and see if we're in the same boat there. Here you go. Here's, here I'm just looking through NFL quarterbacks because you were asking where yeah. does he rank. Yeah. Jared Goff or Dak right now? Jared Goff played good ball this yes, year. Yes, he did. Yeah, he, he played good. Aaron Rodgers or Dak right now? What not for one year, Rogers? Okay, I'll take Jared Goff too. Cousins or Dak right now? Mm. Dak. I disagree with you. Cousins had an awesome year. Yes, he did the check down thing. Whatever, that was horrible. I don't think Kirk Cousins is all that. I don't care that he plays for the Vikings. I don't think he's ever been all that. Okay. In my opinion, Tom Brady or Dak? Dak. Interesting. I'll take Dak. I think it's fair. I, th- I think that, that that's a fair one. 
taking Herbert every day. Uh, 100%. Herbert's top five quarterback easily. 30 minutes into our number one. When we come back, we'll talk some Auburn basketball as they get ready to take on South Carolina. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Transitioning from the NFL playoffs, had some good conversations about that as the playoffs uh, will ramp back up tomorrow and then on Sunday for the divisional round. But Carter, let's get into what's going on tomorrow in Columbia, South Carolina. Auburn basketball on the road again. Of course, they pick up the big win on Wednesday uh, against LSU on the road and now they're back out on the road taking on South Carolina tomorrow 2:30 on the SEC network Auburn number 16 in the country Car- uh, South Carolina uh, obviously unranked Auburn looking to go 6 and 1 in conference play South Carolina looking for just their second win as they are 1 and 4 in the SEC just uh, how are you feeling and I, and I'll answer this as well how are you feeling about Auburn going into this matchup with South Carolina on the road mid-afternoon on a Saturday and phone lines are open we'd love to hear from you guys 334-321-1390 I tell you what I think I feel really good I really do with the way that Auburn I feel that the LSU game in Baton Rouge was a statement win a statement moment for this Auburn team in 2022-2023 because of the way that they finally went on the road in conference play and just put a team away. You don't really see that that often. You didn't really see that this week when you looked at what happened in the SEC. Not a lot of teams went on the road and just handled somebody. Auburn did. And the way that Auburn did it was that much more impressive because LSU went on that run to start the second half. They cut it to two. The crowd's in the game. It's very loud. We, other teams, would have folded. Would have, at least it would have been a game all the way to the very end. Or or they would have let that momentum kind of break them. And the, the an LSU team like that would have come back, won the game. When you look at this Auburn team, the way that they answered immediately with a run and basically put them away, was really impressive. I mean, Arkansas got out to a, to a decent lead on Missouri. Had that kind of happen where Missouri climbs back in the game, crowd is active, crowd is loud, and Arkansas kind of fumbles it late with some help from the refs. Yes, yes. Um, Florida worst start on in a road game I've seen in a while. So bad. Still kind of climbed back and almost almost won the game. Alabama on the road to Vanderbilt, which I know that there's external factors at play for that matchup. There was with all the things surrounding Alabama basketball right now. They had a chance to put that Vanderbilt team away in the second half, and they just never did. Yep. LSU, er, and Vanderbilt, I felt if you put an Auburn, if you swapped that Vanderbilt team for an Auburn, heck, even like a Georgia or a Mississippi State or a Tennessee, Kentucky in that second half, 
I think it's a dogfight. I think it's a five-point game at the end rather than a 12-point game mm-hmm. because I thought Vanderbilt just did not take advantage of their opportunities. Uh, Tennessee, 11-point win on the road, struggled at times with Mississippi State, just didn't really put them away. A, a Mississippi State team that's not winning a lot of SEC games. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss at South Carolina, but what, I mean, whatever. 12-point 12, 12 win. Congrats. Um, Georgia on the road. Ha- kind of had Kentucky in that first half, and then they let Oscar Shewe go nuts. Nobody in the middle of this week had a statement road win, road performance the way that Auburn did. To an LSU team that, like, yes, it's not going to finish in the top half of the conference, especially not with the way that conference play has started. But that's a capable team. That team's better than Ole Miss. That team's better than um, South Carolina. I think they're probably right there with Vanderbilt. I think that'd be an interesting game. Yeah, I think they might be a little bit better than Vanderbilt. They're a bottom they're right, third, right there with State too. They're a bottom third SEC squad. I think they're kind of in that middle. They're in between, right in the middle, and that bottom quarter. I think they're they're somewhere around. They're a little above bottom third. Okay, that's that's where I put this this LSU team. I just think that the SEC has just cannibalized itself so much already but you're right Auburn went on the road to like you said I think a capable LSU team is a good way to put it they went on the road and beat LSU they didn't just win the game they went in on the road in the middle of the week a late night tip and they won that game they absolutely won that game and they beat LSU in a big big win now what is Is tough is that LSU team better than Arkansas they've got the head-to-head win Mm. they've got the head-to-head win they've got the same conference record at one and five Wow. I mean, no, but maybe. <laughs> I no, mean, but maybe. I, I, I like definitive it, statements like that. I would really like to see that matchup again. I really would. Let's, okay, let's also give LSU some credit here. The SEC schedule at this point has been really difficult. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been rough. They, they played Arkansas, got the upset. Went on the road to Rupp, almost pulled that upset. Went on the road to A&M, lost. Went on, uh, played, lost to Florida at home. Florida, I think, is a solid SEC team. I don't think they're anything special. I think they're going to be right in the middle of the pack of the SEC. Um, you would have liked for LSU at home to win that game. Uh, then they go on the road to Alabama. Like, and okay, that, we know how that went. That's Alabama is the cream of the crop in the SEC right now. Auburn at home, a, a, an Auburn team that looks like it's figuring out who it is and is playing mm-hmm. really good ball. Yeah. Like that is a really, really difficult schedule. It is. There's to me. They're two winnable games in that list for LSU, and yeah. they won one of them. And again, they are they're talented. Not they don't have the talent that most people do in the SEC because of and what it, they've gone through. It doesn't get much easier because they get Tennessee on Saturday, and then they go on the road to Arkansas. Oh, so like brutal. Whoever made LSU's schedule, which I, I guess we didn't expect a and Surely to be their February good, Surely their February as, is better than their January. It sounds like they've got they, the opposite of what get, Auburn does. In the SEC Big 12 Challenge, they get a Texas Tech team that is floundering. Mm-hmm. Has not gotten a win in Big 12 play yeah. uh, right now. Then they go on the road to Missouri. They get Alabama at home. So they, they're And then after they play A&M at home, it's at Georgia, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, at Ole Miss, Missouri at home, at Florida. There you go. That like the front half of their schedule, whoever at the SC offices made it, just decided, hey, let's just, let's, and it makes sense because of Will Wade and all the stuff that happened there. <laughs> they the said, SEC take office this. said, 
We are going to burn you to the ground in the first half of the of the SEC yeah. season. Which, again, is like basically the opposite of what Auburn's having to do. Exactly. Because Auburn's January is very manageable. Yep. Very easy, I would think. And then the February is just a gauntlet, which if you want to be playing your best basketball, you want to be playing the best team. So I think that's going to benefit Auburn better than what the opposite would be. But you look at Auburn on the road at South Carolina tomorrow. Uh, no odds yet, but according to ESPN, Auburn has a 93% chance to win. Uh, I mean, they have a 93% chance to win against South Carolina, according to ESPN. So um, Auburn should win this game. This should be a game where Auburn dominates. It should be a game where Auburn uh, should get out and start start well early on the road something that Bruce Pearl has talked a lot about uh doesn't matter if you're playing the worst team in the conference which I think South Carolina is going to make a pretty good argument to be you are on the road on a Saturday in the conference you have to start well if you want to have a chance to win the basketball game absolutely and Auburn needs to do that yeah yeah 100 percent. and I think that Auburn Auburn can and will because look this let's we're gonna I'm gonna give it to you straight this South Carolina team is so unbelievably bad. And at home, they have not had a single-digit SEC game uh, in at home. And that's and that counts in a home game against, at the time, an 0-5 in conference play Ole Miss team. You the, know, the other home games in conference play, they lost by 43-41. and 41. Ooh, you know how the ESPN, but we're going to get to the phone lines in just a second. You know how ESPN, you know, when you go through the different games, it'll say tickets as low as blah, 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 right? Yes. Tickets as low as, what do you think the lowest, according to ESPN, the lowest ticket price for Auburn, South Carolina is tomorrow. If you just had to guess. $9. Okay, that was really low. According to ESPN, it's 17 <laughs> $17 gets you in I've the door. I've seen some, I, if, it, if this game was played in the middle of the week, I promise you it would be $9. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. But the fact that it's a Saturday, maybe they doubled it up just to see if how they get this? a few extra dollars. It's not the cheapest ticket in the SEC. What There's is? Tennessee at LSU. Tickets as low as $7. Wow. Florida at Mississippi State. Same same price. Okay, well, I don't think I'd give a $10 bill to see that one. But, yeah, eh, no. I think it's two capable teams. I think State, again, kind of has similar situation to LSU. I think that... That SEC schedule was tough. That's a day one SEC tournament matchup. That's what that is. Florida, Mississippi State. Mississippi State has played the best two, te- the best three teams in the SEC four times already. Sheesh. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Happy Friday, man. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, happy Friday to y'all. It's, it's just a beautiful day. Isn't it? Yes, it is. It's, it's nice weather today for sure. Yeah, uh, what what I was going to ask y'all about it, it, it if y'all have uh, th- there's been a lot of things going on uh, about well two things really I was going to kind of get your opinion on mm-hmm. but but the first one was you know with everything uh, you know I reading today where California is considering you know or there's a bill I don't know if y'all seen that where they just pay. I don't think it'll ever work because they said they're going to pay $25,000 for every revenue-producing athlete, but it doesn't pay it, it doesn't pay the 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 people, you know, you know what I'm saying, the, mm-hmm. the females. So Title 
09, I just don't see that working. I, I was gonna. What do y'all think on that? Yeah, I, I saw I saw something about that. Um, and yeah, and I'm kind of pulling it up right now to, to kind of refresh myself. You know, it says a California lawmaker has introduced a bill that would require uh-huh. schools to play that play major college sports to pay some athletes as much as twenty five thousand dollars annually. Um, that yeah. sort of gets into the contract conversation that we've had in the past of players signing like literally this would be like signing a a contract. I think you would see like almost like a college athlete players union and there would have to be a revenue split. Yeah. I mean, you can't pay with the way that these different sports bring in money. You can't pay everybody relatively the same. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it's I, it. I don't know. I think it, I think we are going to move slowly in that direction. I have yeah. zero clue what it's going to look like, and I think it's going to be an absolute mess as they try to figure it out. It's a mess right now. It's a mess it, right it now. Is. Let's be real. That's kind of my point. Is right now, you know, the, the whole system. Is, you need some kind of guidance if you're mm. going to have any kind of long term. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It yeah. doesn't help. It, you can't keep going like this you know no i'm with you some sort of cap has to be put on it i mean my 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 question is uh college football specifically Uh is a sport that tries to avoid some sort of overarching body as much as possible uh we've seen all the issues with the ncaa i don't even know how much power Uh the ncaa actually has right now like something's gonna have to happen i agree with you I just don't know what it is because I think eventually you're going to see college football just break away. The power conferences break away and go do football by themselves. And probably yeah. at that point, there's going to have to be some sort of oversight, like overarching body of governance that's separate what from the NCAA. Think? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm, mm-hmm. I, we're all going. It, I mean, I've never really seen anything kind of, you know, I'm older, much older than y'all, but. I've never seen anything that's, you know, just un, unregulated in any sport or anything like it is right now. Yeah. And it, it's just, just you know, free-for-all. But uh, And and then also, uh, you know, uh, uh, Title IX's going to, you know, come into yeah. that. Yeah, as, as it should. Yeah, yeah, as it should. And um, But anyway, uh, guys, I want to tell y'all, Yes, War Eagle, and uh, um, and I'm so glad to see Auburn. You know, finally getting uh, you know a coach and uh, administration that realizes how important recruiting is. Oh it, yeah, it has it, been so uh, um, you know, and I don't think it'll end this year. I, I know most people hope it will. You know, Bama people. Like I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the juniors and stuff, you got a good relationship. But anyway, I, I was just want to ask y'all's opinion. And hey, guys, War Eagle. Hey, it's good appreciate to hear from you. Ed. We appreciate the call. That is Ed joining us here on On the Line. We can we can head to break. I do have mm-hmm. some, 
some thoughts, I guess, on what Ed was talking about. I and I would love to talk about it more. Yeah. After the break, I know we're up against one. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's take a break. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one, address some more from Ed's phone call. We'd love to hear from you as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You are on the line on ESPN one zero six seven. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, and we have official confirmation that Jumping Jack Hutton is on his way. So uh, he will be Sound rolling like in. Be late. Yeah, rolling in on two wheels. Jack, we know you're listening. Drive safe. Wear your seatbelt. It's okay. We will we'll talk to you when we talk to you, brother, and we appreciate you coming in. Uh, as we wrap up the first hour, we wanted to uh, address a couple of more things that Ed had to say. We were talking to him uh, before we went to our last break. He joined us on the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. And he brought up the and, – and I'll admit – I had seen this. I had not read a ton into it. Uh, I, I hadn't even seen it, to be honest with you. Uh, it's a caliph. So here's here's what Ed was talking about. And it in this is just when you Google it, this is what popped up. It says, a California bill calls for revenue sharing in college sports. A- again, I saw the, the, I guess, the headline, but I hadn't fully read into it. A uh, California lawmaker has introduced a bill that will require schools that play major college sports to pay some athletes as much as $25,000 annually. And what I told Ed, this sounded like to me, was the college players signing contracts conversation because I think that's where we're heading. And I think that with NIL, Ed was bringing up just the the uh, lack of control with NIL because the NCAA held off for so long. They waited for it to build. And then as the water built up behind the dam, they just kept saying no, 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 no. And until it got to the top, then they said, okay, here's the check mark. Here you go. They opened the floodgates and everything just went to crap, right? So it's been out of control. I knew it would be. And shocker, it's the NCAA who is garbage. Um, that's sort of where we're going. Some sort of cap has to be put on it eventually. We're talking about 18-year-old kids signing $15 million NIL deals. I agree to an extent. I just think that as when you when you have an unregulated, I guess, market like this, things get... That's the problem. Get, things get out of control right off the bat. I think the market will correct itself in in some capacity. I think it's just going to take time. It's going to take four or five years. But what's going what's gonna to control it? What's going to... I mean, all right. Here's here's what's gonna gonna control it. When Arch Manning becomes the starting quarterback in 2023 at Texas, and all of a sudden they're paying what twenty million dollars to two different five star quarterbacks, and one of them sitting on the bench, one sitting on the bench, and Arch Manning. Everybody realizes that hey, he was playing private school Louisiana football against really small kids and he's not actually the best quarterback in the country which is a fair point his last name helps push him to five-star status if it takes it takes Arch Manning being a bust it takes the kid at Tennessee being a bust getting paid eight million dollars it it there will be we have not truly seen it in a in a large sample size yet, but it's going to happen. You're starting to see it a little bit, I guess, with what took place at Texas A&M because they paid so much NIL money for that freshman class, and now, what, seven of them have left? Mm-hmm. There is going to be a market correction when you get huge money, huge money, 
high school athletes that get on campus and become bust. Imagine, okay, let's let's go. Well, I'm glad you NIL brought that up. Era, Byron Coward at Auburn. Yeah, he would have gotten paid a bunch of money. Yeah, to go to Auburn, a bunch in NIL. But here's the problem, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up Arch Manning because before you came on board last summer, I actually had that conversation about Arch Manning and what if he did flop. I actually had that conversation, but I'm glad you bring that up. My I don't problem think he's that is, good. I think he's a mid-range four-star quarterback. I agree. My problem is though. That will happen. You're 100% right. That will happen where somebody, some kid makes, we'll just say a standard $5 million for NIL, and he comes in, and he's not what everybody thought he was going to be. He took his money and flopped, for a, a lack of a better term. But here's the problem. The people that are paying this type of money, that's nothing to them. That's nothing. And they are willing to take that risk. And if he flops, they're just going to move on to the next one. And you take an example of Texas where they're going to have will. two of them. They don't care. That's insurance. If I, one sucks, I, I the agree, other one's right behind I him. I will agree to disagree with you on this because these people made that money by being really good in business or whatever they do. Fair. If they're just flushing money down the toilet by overpaying kids, like at some point you're going to ha- you're going to not see the $15 million deal for the giant quarterback. Or the the, the, the Jaden Rashada situation at Florida is a great example because Florida made a deal for $13 million for him and then realized, this is really dumb. We don't want to pay this. I compare this to NFL teams, professional teams. They pay somebody a lot of money. What happens if he flops? Completely they scout. Completely different because you have a salary cap. You have a salary cap. We'll talk more about this later. I like this conversation. Hour number one is in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two of On the Line coming up. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well as the sun is shining. It's another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Jack Hudden will join us momentarily as he is uh, coming through the door in just a few minutes. So we will have him on uh, as he joins us here in the studio. Speak of the devil there is jack hudden walking in we'll get him on the microphone and uh, we'll have him hop in on our conversation coming up in just a few minutes but hey if you missed any of our number one uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it at espnau.com click on the podcast center and you'll find it all right there commercial free or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast our number one uh, we talked the nfl playoffs a little bit we also talked auburn basketball on the road at south carolina and we ended the second hour with a really interesting conversation about uh, college players NIL because Ed called in in the first hour and brought up some interesting topics so we're going to get into that in just a second but phone lines are open here at hour number two we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 hello Jack how are you good Knew you are you were good? Are you, are you, we you we knew you were going to be huffing and puffing coming in here. No, I'm doing good, man. Had a little uh, 
a little shake up at the office today, so I had to take care of a little something. But uh, been there. I'm here, man. Let's talk some ball. Let's do it. Well, before we get into everything, uh, in the first hour, we were. Uh, it took us about seven minutes to get through everything going on around the stations because it's very busy right now. And tonight, high school basketball is huge. Tonight, right? We've got first. Uh, we've got uh, Lee Scott on the on not on the road. They're at home tonight uh, against Fort Dale. Uh, I will be on AU100, uh, 100.3 on your radio dial or au100fm.com uh, as Lee's got taking on Fort Dale tonight. Uh, girls start at 5.30. Boys will be, or start at 5, excuse me, and the boys will be right after, so you can catch me over there. As soon as I'm done here, I am bolting who's, over to LSA. Who's, who's doing color for that? Who's doing color commentary? For uh, nobody, because oh, okay, Carter is doing the drive, so ah, I will be okay. solo. Okay, I'll so be no. running Did solo. Did you think I was, that I was doing? You. Yeah, I was going to give you some props, but no. never mind. No, no I'm doing no, the he's uh, not. drive every day. Yeah, he has bailed on me because we need a host for the I drive this week. I bailed on you. No, no I have to. <laughs> no, Carter. I get to. Carter has been Carter has been a very uh, big team player this week and just kind of plug and chug a little bit. So uh, he's doing the drive today with Brian Matthews. So I will be on the call for Lee Scott Academy again on AU100 starting at five o'clock. And then Jack, I'll let you plug what you got going on tonight. Yeah, we got uh, Auburn High basketball going on tonight. So uh, Auburn. Women's basketball to start uh, nine and four on the season, trying to tie for the area tonight. They can move into a tie for first place with Central um, if they can beat Central tonight. And then after that, it is the nineteen and two Auburn men's basketball team, Auburn High School men's basketball team that is uh, trying to wrap up an area title on the e- on this evening. Uh, they can do that by beating the same Central Red Devils. That we're going to get started five thirty. The women will play, and then the boys will be right after that. So. Love to see everybody there. Come on out and get a seat if you can. We need to pack that place. Um, if you can't make it, catch us on 96.3 W. Lee, our sister station here, um, where I'll have the call, and uh, we'll be able to get you all the action on there. Or go to Lee Scott. Hey. You could. I'm trying to, hey, I'm trying to help yeah. you. I'm trying to get you, you, you a You can go to Lee Scott, yeah. Plugging the audience over there, man. Yeah, look, hey, Lee Scott boys, 20-1 and one and 7-0 and oh in region play. That's Only loss is to a Georgia team. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah. So, Very impressive. Undefeated in Alabama. How about yeah, that? That's, yeah. They're playing really well and uh, looking to get back-to-back state titles. Obviously started with football, trying to get one in basketball as well. So Jake, Jacob Goins has never called a, a boys er, – this season has never called a boys sports loss so far. That is How extremely true. That is 100% true because football went undefeated and basketball, the boys team, their only loss was out of state in Georgia. They were on the road. We were not there. Okay. So, okay. So you have not – never mind. Keep going. I've, basically, <laughs> basically the, the success of Lee Scott Academy Athletics has everything to do with the fact that I am that's, the voice of the team. That's where I was going, is that, is that how much does that correlate with your presence? 100%. Yeah, that makes it, sense. It is a, it's a direct makes, correlation. Makes sense, bro. It's how science works. But uh, no, we have a lot going on. High school sports science tonight. Works. Again, Lee Scott Academy on AU100 beginning at 5 o'clock. And then Jack Hudden on the call for Auburn High as they are looking to win a, an area title against Central. That'll be 530 over on 96.3 W. Lee. But hey, and I Hour number two, here's what's coming up. We're going to talk uh, some more about this uh, athletes being paid type of conversation because I thought it sparked up some interesting stuff, and Carter and I didn't quite get all of our thoughts out at the end of hour number one, so we'll get into some of that a little bit here in hour number two. Then we'll preview Auburn and South Carolina tomorrow. We'll pick some games around the SEC for this weekend, so it should be a fantastic hour number two. But again, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Jack, to kind of catch you up on what we were talking about is ed called in and he brought up the the news that 
I had seen the headline, but I had not read into it, about a California lawmaker that is proposing that basically any big-time college that plays the major sports would have to pay every athlete up to $25,000 a year, right? So, And I said that starts getting into the player contract conversation where players will be – college players will be signing yearly contracts – sort of like they do in professional football. And Carter and I were starting to get into uh, sort of a debate where I'm basically saying, I don't know what's going to slow this down. I don't see how this is going to come back down to earth because Ed was talking about how it's just out of control, which it is. And Carter was talking about and brought up a really good point on how the first big-time player to just fully flop is what will bring yeah, all of this back it's down It's going to take more than one, but we haven't seen one that has... I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how much... Um, how fair it is for Ohio State to grumble about Quinn Ewers. Uh, I don't know how much money Oklahoma gave Spencer Rattler, um, but there is going to be a stretch run at some point of big-time... Big money NIL bus. And I think I think what you're gonna see, what may be more likely, is you may see the market correct quicker on high school guys because then your transfer guy your transfer guys are somewhat of a known commodity because they've been on campus. But at some point, I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect, I'm not saying it's gonna be totally regulated, with the way that this is going to work in like just a just completely open market. This is going to end up somewhat regulating itself because water is going to find its level. You're not going to five years from now. There's not going to be any deals in place for a four star like number five, number six quarterback in the country for thirteen million dollars. That's not going to happen. Quarterbacks will continue to be paid at a stupid rate. For, for a high school kid going to college or transfers, that's going to happen. I mean, with the rumored amounts that you've heard for Devin Leary being as high as $4 million, I mean, that's a ton for one year. At some point, this is going to come back down to earth. And and you're going to see more collective. Florida's collective is not going to be the only one that has this disaster, just black eye that is the Jaden Rashada situation. There will be other collectives that make mistakes. They may not all be public. Maybe that's why you're seeing some schools have significant exoduses in the transfer portal because maybe the the NIL isn't what was promised. It isn't matching up, whatever, whatever. So it's time to go leave. I think from a Looking at this from a sense, because I'm an analytics guy. I mean, I've, I've always been very much a looking at things from almost a business perspective. And I think you're going to start to see these rich benefactors, these guys that are boosters on a program. I could see that start to turn towards the, okay, what's the return on investment that I'm getting yeah. out of this? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because I think there's, you know, everybody wants their team to be good at football. That's that's great. Everybody wants their team to be good in, in whatever sport they're playing. Is it worth the continually increasing amounts that you're seeing on different players? For instance, like you mentioned, Carter, the $13 million that Jaden Rashada was promised. Now, that didn't work out, yes. but I don't think that's unheard of 
for somebody to start looking into and saying, okay, what if we really, really want a guy bad enough? What are we willing to give him? Well, this group's going to pay him $6 million. Okay, well, we'll go up to seven. Well, we'll go up to eight. And eventually you start pushing the needle on that. I think there's a point to it. I think it's going to be what is my return on investment from these guys who tend to be businessmen and I don't think that it's I don't think it's nearly as high as what that thirteen somebody's gonna money ball this thing. Yeah. Somebody you're gonna have schools throwing up huge amount of money. Somebody's gonna say, Okay, I don't think it's worth to go pay Devin Leary four million dollars. Yeah. But no, the I problem is totally. that money somewhere else get a very capable, very solid quarterback for cheaper and build a roster that is just straight up better. But the problem is if school A says that, they're like, you know what, we can't afford to pay Fifteen million dollars to this player. We're going to back off. School B is going to come in and say, "We'll do it," and bam, they're going to well, do it. And that's the issue I have is I don't see where that's going to stop. And I have a couple of ways I want to say this. I think every program and every school will almost go through cycles, right? I keep comparing this to the NFL because I think that's the direction that we're going in college football. Is you see NFL franchises, right? Most of them, besides the few that are just always consistently good and always competing, right, because they have a ton of money, you see certain organizations in the NFL where they're down for three, four, five years, and then they build up their roster, they build up their money, they build up their salary cap, and then they compete for three or four years, and it's almost like a circle, right? It's a process in professional sports. You see it at other levels, too, in other sports, basketball, hockey, whatever, They almost go in a cycle where you have those three, four years you compete, and then you go through back the cycle of three, four, five years where you're kind of on the average range until you build it all back up again. I think that could happen at the college level as well, where take a program, uh, whoever it is, where they'll build their money up, and for three or four years, they're going to go get the best of the absolute best. They're going to pay a buttload of money to some really talented players, if it works out, it works out. They're going to take their chance. They're going to buy all in, and then they're going to regress, and they're going to have the rebuild years, and then they're not going to pay as much out. They're going to take lower talent, maybe not win as many games, and it'll be a rotation. It's the same way in professional football, guys, where this happens all the time, and I think where I was going to go at the end of the first hour, Carter, was how you're end up like just the same way that NFL teams have scouts and they go after specific players that they want to pay big amounts of money to. That's how college and NIL is going to work as well. These collectives aren't just going to pay the best talent because they're the most talented. They're going to go and get their guys, and I don't know where the cap and where it's going to stop. I, I Where I disagree from this is going to be 100% like the NFL is because the NFL has something in place to kind of as a checks and balances for um these these like the reason why you see teams rebuild is because there's a draft and like it's not what the rams are about to go through the rams sold off all these draft picks they sold the future to win a super bowl they're gonna go they're gonna be down in the dumps for a while and then eventually they're gonna get all their picks back and they're gonna be able to draft and build up a roster and do all that in college football it's never been like that it's never been like that the the top teams have always been able to stack and accumulate talent Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State will throw fits if they're having to wait once every five years. They're 15-0 and in a national champion, and then they're down at 
seven and five, eight and four. Yeah, but I put them in that group same way in the NFL. There's a group of teams that are always going to compete and always be good. That will be outliers in this situation. Is what I that's. But I I agree with what you're saying. Those types of programs are outliers. There, so what, what what I think you're going to see is I think I think everybody I think the market's going to correct itself because everybody's going to realize, okay, this is the actual value, the return on investment for these players. Because look, the Jaden Rashada, who has a few thousand followers on social media on his account, he ain't worth four million dollars a year, three million dollars a year, whatever it was. It's, it was going to be over his career. He's not even his, in a hundred. He's name, not even a top one hundred player by some sites. Yeah, his his nil valuation by on three, I think, is four hundred five thousand dollars. Yeah, which is for one year. I mean, t- multiply that by four. He's not even reaching two million dollars. No. Instead, and like it's going to come down because it's not feasible to keep doing this at this level. I think everybody's just a little um, drunk on the new idea of like, let's just like, hey, this is so new. Let's spend money. Let's get really good. You're going to have some fan bases that are really bad for a long time that have a history of a lot of success that might step up in certain spots and say, you know what? We're going to spend stupid money to get really good and get back to that level. I think once you get to a level, once you have that sustained success, I don't think you have to spend as much money in NIL at Georgia now that they've won two national championships in a row. People want to win championships. People want to get to the NFL. They're doing both. I, I, if you're Kentucky, you're probably going to have to spend three, four times as much to get a, get a five-star player than what Georgia is. I think they, everything is going to level out. I just think that that's the way it's going to work. I think at some point, yes, you might get some actual oversight, but it's it's we are not going to see up and up and up more and more money. We're not going to see a $20 million NIL deal for a quarterback. We're not going to see – I don't think in five years we're going to have $13 million deals for, for quarterbacks in NIL. I don't think it's going to happen. I completely disagree, but I want to hear what Jack says too because I've given my thoughts a little bit. Well, I think – I think from a if, – if you're so let's look at it from a sense like I was saying – Look at it from a sense of a player is an asset. Now, you know, don't want to get off and saying, oh, kids are, you know, worth this amount of money, but it's essentially what we're doing now. That's and the so territory we're getting if into. If you're looking at it from these kids are certain are, are assets that we're bringing in, um, you want to see how your asset is going to perform, not just immediately, but over time in business. That's the biggest thing is what is my long term you know, rate of return. What's my return on investment, basically? And that's the biggest thing that I think is is going to come up. Maybe not from a sense of a much bigger contract, a much bigger promise initially, but I could see things like freshmen in high school starting to be offered these NIL deals, and it is significantly increased or decreased based off of their performance in high school. So now you've got 15-year-old kids that are under pressure to go out and perform or else they lose an insane amount of money for a 15-year-old. Yeah. And so I think that that's another element to it. I think in the college game, you get the same thing, obviously. You know, at what point do we do we start having basically NIL bonuses for you got to throw 20 touchdowns or... Which right now is wow, one of the only bonus. rules is you cannot have performance-based incentives in NIL. Like and NIL cannot far, be... And how far does that get a leash? Basically? I think I think it'll eventually move to that because that's just the way it's going to be. Right. But another thing we haven't even talked about is going to happen when you talk about like a fifth or sixth round guy 
in it at an SEC school who's sitting there, school school X is like, hey, if you come back, we'll bump up your NIL mm-hmm. X thousand dollars to to equate whatever you're gonna get. You're gonna have some schools, some lesser teams and other conferences that hear about that and they're like, Hey, if they're offering you ten thousand dollars, we'll offer you twenty five, we'll offer you thirty. Come play your final year with us for more money. And that's going to be interesting when that starts to happen. I mean, we're getting into pay to play and pay to win. I mean, yeah. it, well, it, when, what, I mean, that's what it's always been. It's what it's always been, and that's exactly. what it is right now. And that's my and that's my argument is what that's not ever going to change. That's never going to change in college football. It's never going to change in sports. It's never going to change in life. You pay on when it's when you're dealing with something on this big of a level with that much money and that much power. It's a pay to win. I'm just telling you, it's got, it's we've never seen money spent at this level right now. Yeah. And I don't think it's sustainable to spend money at this level across college football. We'll have to see. This is a great conversation, and we could sit here and talk about this for hours, but there is other stuff going on. That sparked a great conversation from a phone call from Ed back in hour number one. So, Ed, we appreciate you calling in. Uh, if anybody yeah, else has man. thoughts, yeah, it was a great call, great question. It sparked some excellent conversation. But we have to get to a break we've gone over in this segment. But, hey, we'll come back, talk some college basketball. We'll preview Auburn and South Carolina tomorrow, all coming up here on the Friday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Jumpin' Jack Cutting in studio for hour number two. Question of the day. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we will uh, preview Auburn and South Carolina. We'll give our picks, talk about some other games going on around the SEC. But the question of the day we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390, is what's the biggest game in college basketball tomorrow? Can be in the SEC, doesn't have to be, but uh, what's the biggest game in the SEC and why? Oh, I, I was looking at them earlier today. I think in college basketball, you've got some interesting ones. Uh, I think a sneaky one is number 17 Miami at Duke. Mm-hmm. Unranked Duke, Duke, by the way. Duke, yes, they're unranked, but they're 9-0 and at, ho- at home this year. And, you know, Cameron Indoor is what Cameron Indoor has always been. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. The other one to me is number 5 UCLA on the road at Arizona. I'll be honest, it's kind of an underwhelming week uh, in the – in the top 25 as far as big-time matchups. I don't necessarily love the matchups in the SEC all that much either. Yeah, look, we'll get into that, but we do have a phone call. We'll get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Terry, do we have you? I'm here. There we go. Got him now. There he is. How y'all doing? We're doing great, Terry. What you got, man? Fantastic. I hate to... Change the subject, but you guys were talking before the break. You were talking about the um, the uh, the, pro, the the how the how the everything's affected mm-hmm. college sports. Yeah, just and I was thinking, just look at the national title game. Now nobody nobody likes to look at the scoreboard, but look at the ATCU was five and seven last year, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah. Auburn was five and seven this year. Don't be surprised if they don't make a tremendous turnaround. Oh, I you know, I hundred percent agree, but I don't I don't think twenty twenty three Auburn is. One, in the SEC, I don't think it's possible right now in the SEC West to go from 5-7 and seven to national championship, SEC championship. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Auburn's – I think this is an issue of Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson. I don't think the roster is still in shape to make that level of turnaround. 
No, I agree with you, Carter, one hundred percent. But I do think they will go from five and seven to eight and four, nine and three. Agree, yeah, one hundred percent. Which could I'm not be done otherwise. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. There's a path so, for Auburn, I think, for a ten win season. Hey, oh, you go nine and three, and you get a bowl game, and you win there. That's a ten win season in Hugh Freeze's first year, and all of a sudden you got everything working for you. <laughs> my yeah, see, my is, hesitation, though, is. Do you want to set the bar that high? <laughs> Gus Malzahn learned that lesson. No, that's why. That's why I said there is a. What I, I don't even know what I said. There's a possibility. There's a path. A, yeah. There's a path for. Yeah, the a path. Yeah. Yeah. This is the easiest schedule Auburn's had in 15, 20 years or whatever. Right. Yeah, and you can't win the lottery without buying a ticket, right, Dak? That's it, man. Yeah, there you, you go. Gotta be in it to win it. That's right, baby. I mean, I just you know I just that, guys I just like without those two programs without the NIL now right now you couldn't do that and now it's possible and that's yep. what that's what's a little deceiving quite honestly yeah NIL um, and transfer portal it has changed well, the way we look at everything it, it's I changed mean, how it's played it was, there was a way to do it it was probably more difficult before I mean we watched we watched Gus Malzahn take a three nine team to the national championship. Yeah, so, but that I mean, was a different it, set of circumstances. It happened. Well, like I mean, that. if you get a difference maker at quarterback and you get, and you get the luck of Jesus on your up. side, yeah. I know, no, no, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I'm saying, yes, it is easier to portal up and be good fast. You've seen Michigan State do it, USC do it, TCU do it, Ole Miss did it. Yeah. Yeah, Carter, that's a good point because this time last year we were talking about the name Mel Tucker as this hot young coach, and he ain't he ain't worth the crap, I don't think. And he signed, know, he took money from Michigan State, boy, he took them for everything. <laughs> I think we are entirely too soon on that. I think what he did at Colorado was phenomenal in the pandemic season. I mean, he won a daggum division. He didn't I think get a he's play. a good coach. He didn't get a play for the for the Pac-12 championship because the whole team had was out with like COVID mm-hmm. going into that week. I was talking about but, Mel Tucker, Michigan State. I know. I'm getting there, Terry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm he sorry. Carl, my Michigan bad. State job. He portals up. He has got a bunch of veteran guys. They're really good, and then the veteran guys leave. Give him time to build out the roster. He's only been there two years. Exactly. Sorry about that. But no, you're, yeah, good. I mean, yeah, you're talking about three and nine to, 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 to what Gus Malzahn did. That was also, a, a, a you know, the, the worst thing since Brian Harson, quite honestly, Gene Chizik. Yeah. I mean, so, who, who had completely lost that team. And when you can do yeah. that, that shows you the, the evidence that he had lost that team. Yeah. Because I mean, not only did they go from three and nine to national title contender, you also had a player go for three and 19 to be in the second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I'm going to be interested to see – there's going to be some teams that figure out the formula because, again, it, transfer portal so new, NIL so new. Somebody's going to figure out the formula to portal up and then sustain it. And if I had a guess, I'd look out at Los Angeles at what USC is doing. I think they're going to be good next year. I think they're going to be better than they were this past year. I think they're going to continue to move up, up, and up. Uh, and I think TCU has a chance – because of the landscape changing in the Big 12 to be the dominant program in the new Big 12. Uh, but somebody's going to figure out how to portal up, get really good in the first year, and then build from there and not have a dip like Mel Tucker. It's just everything's so new. I could even see something happening to the, to the extent of you always hear about that jump from the first season to the second season for a player tends to be really higher than any other jump that you get. And so I could see something where somebody makes a model going out and getting guys who have been in college mm-hmm. football for only one year. Yeah. Because then they're getting them for their first year on campus. They're getting that leap into mm-hmm. you're physical enough to be in college. You've learned the game more. You've seen gameplay now. So I could even see that happening where a team wants to go out and get first-year players or second-year players. Terry, hey, man, it's good to hear from you. We're up against yeah. the break, man. Sure. 
Yep. Take care, guys. Appreciate, Appreciate it, Terry. It. Have Take a good care. weekend. It's always good to hear from you. That is Terry joining us here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Hate to cut him off, but we're uh, music about to bump us out of here. But um, no, we appreciate him calling in and talking about this. It, it's a it's a wide open conversation. And here's what's so crazy as we wrap it up. We are talking about players in college football, college athletics making millions and millions and millions of dollars. This conversation wasn't being had five years ago. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge number of players making that type of money. But yeah, no, it's definitely a different world. Different world, man. College sports are changing as we know it. 30 more minutes. We'll talk college basketball when we come back. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Jack Cutton in studio here on ESPN 1067. Let's talk some college basketball. We've had great conversations today, by the way. Did you hear him get upset when we came back from break yesterday on the drive? At one point, I didn't call him my good buddy. I just called him my buddy. Oh, yeah, he said my my, uh, buddy. The heck is that? No, I'm just kidding. Didn't know you had. Ridiculous. Didn't know you got your feelings hurt that easy. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, I listened to some of the drive. I didn't get to listen to all of it because I had to go call Lee Scott, or I got to go call Lee Scott basketball. But 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line. And again, we've had great conversations today, and that and that's a topic talking about nil and where it's going and where it's come from i mean we could talk about that for days right i mean that's just it's such a wide open conversation and we've loved everybody that's chimed in on it as well and we'd love to hear from you on that or college basketball which is where we are going now 334-321-1390 the question of the day was looking at the schedule for college basketball tomorrow what's the biggest game what's the biggest stakes in your mind jack uh, carter didn't fully get into it he was talking about miami a ranked miami team going on the road at duke a duke team Uh, that has not lost at home this year i think that that could be a turning point moment for duke or it could be um a moment where they like a team like miami takes that step towards potentially winning the acc Jack, in your mind, obviously you've got uh, a huge game, 12 o'clock on CBS tomorrow, 14 TCU on the road at Allen Fieldhouse, number two, Kansas. Yeah, that one's a big one, definitely. Um, be interesting to see how TCU responds after uh, kind of a lackluster performance against a West Virginia team who was 0-6 beforehand but still somehow had a 24-net ranking. So that was West Virginia beforehand. TCU goes into that one, kind of reeling. We'll see what they decide to do. Um I think it's an interesting matchup is going to be actually what does Kentucky look like a week after going into Knoxville and knocking off Tennessee? Texas A&M comes in there now. They're 13-5. and five. I think that's the best game in the ACC this, yeah. this weekend. The, the matchups are not great no, in the I ACC No, I think that's the best one. But, I mean, I do like this one's on ESPN at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Um, Texas A&M, again, 13-5 and five on the season. I'm still not sold on Texas A&M. I still got to see more. The thing is, I don't know if I think Kentucky's all the way there yet. They did a, a really good job defending Tennessee's three-point game. Um, I just don't know if they've if they've made it all the way back yet. Texas A&M's got a shot to come out. I think uh, Kentucky will probably go to Sheebway early and often. Um, Kentucky's kind of rallying around needing severe wheeler, wheeler right now. Uh, they've kind of 
I think some of their players came on the other day, and, and we're talking about that. And so I think they're starting to rally around something. Uh, but we'll see if A&M has what it takes to go in or up. If A&M gets that win, then I think A&M starts to SEC. deserve – legitimate respect as a top three team in the SEC. We found reasons oh, to kind of knock I hate them. the sound of that. Um, I want to say something about an, an SEC game here. If Ole Miss goes to Bud Walton and beats Arkansas, mm. cancel it. It's over. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas's not. Arkansas's cooked. Agree. If they lose that game, then like this Arkansas team is a giant nothing burger and has been overrated the entire time. Yeah, this is a last. It's it's a last gasp for Arkansas this week. I mean, you've got to win because I think the next three games for Arkansas, if I remember correctly, are actually games that you would think Arkansas would be favored in. I mean, they got Ole Miss coming up next at Bud Walton, um, like we said. Still trying to pull up their schedule, but I think LSU is involved with that LSU one. is next. Yes, I'm not sure about the next three because then they go on the road to Baylor. Baylor, but then Ooh. they get Texas A&M. So I think I was talking about SEC games. Fair. If A&M is what they're cracked up to be, and they go into Rutgers this weekend, they're not. We'll see. I don't think and they I are. I don't think either. they are either. Their, but if their they do, schedule has been very favorable, right? Very favorable to this point. They have wins over Florida, LSU, Missouri, tw- uh, Missouri just once, Florida twice, and South Carolina. Here's a matchup. I think Missouri's very good. No, I don't, I don't think Missouri's that great either. They were ranked at one point. They looked halfway decent. They, they were went still in the 50s in the Kim Palm and the net rankings when they were ranked. Yeah, well, remember that stretch we talked about they were about to go through, and they actually handled it somewhat decent when they had to play a dumb amount of talent. Um, but because oh, yeah, they had the worst schedule ever for the first yeah, 13 yeah, games they did. Year. <laughs> they did. This is a matchup in the SEC. It's not sexy, but I think it could be a really interesting game. Vanderbilt and Georgia tomorrow noon on the SEC Network. I think you're looking at two teams that are playing pretty well. Uh, Vanderbilt had a chance to come back, and they made it a game against Alabama in the midweek. We've talked about all the outside factors against Alabama in that game. Vanderbilt, they're not good, but they're good enough to run with some people. And Georgia, we know, is talented, and they're good enough to run with some people. Not that these are two tournament teams. Not that these are two teams that are going to get huge upset wins. But I think when you look at the teams comparing them, I think it could be an interesting game to start the day. I think uh, for Missouri in that in a matchup against Alabama, you have to have Kobe Brown just go nuts. Kobe Brown has to go just insane in Fair. that game. Yeah. Uh, also, ESPN has him listed as a guard at 6'8", 250. Yeah, I, was, I saw that. He's a that. large human being. I saw that. Yeah. Call him a guard. I view him as like a power forward Yeah, I was about to say, guy. I don't think so. Uh, I'd say he's but, a three. I would put, I'd, I'd put him at a three. A, a big, big three. That's a big three. An enormous yeah. three. Oh, that's yeah. a huge three. But I think he does off the ball things like that. that he shoots well from three. Yeah, exactly. 40, 40, almost 41% three-point shooter on the year. That's that's solid. Almost sounds like. You would, you would expect. Jalen Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would expect his rebound numbers with how physical he is to be a little bit better, but he—I mean—he needs to go for 24, 24 and ten for Missouri to have a chance in that game. I think, mm-hmm. and they got to—is he matching up with with Brandon Miller? Who else? I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, that's, on that's, that's a that's a good question. Who else? Yeah. It'd be fascinating to see how Brandon Miller handles a guy who's got fifty pounds on him. Whoever it is. You can't you can't back off the three point line on we Brandon. We talked Miller. about that with LSU. My gosh, Holy you can't back off LSU of him. just did not guard him. At the oh, no, they, they didn't stay in his hip pocket. They they let they went under screens. It was like they thought he had the three point shooting ability of JD Davison last year for Alabama. <laughs> there there are other five star who couldn't shoot 
to save his life. And he can shoot. Boy. And mm. and you, you, I mean, you look at this game, um, or that that game against LSU rather. They were leaving him wide open. They were backing off him when he would catch the ball. And he's just catching in rhythm. He's rising up. You're not going to get there if you're backing up at all when he's catching the ball because he's so daggone long, and he's kind of like Jabari. He can get above you even if you're in his face. Yeah. And he just killed them from three. He hit six threes in the first half. Right. He is just, he's got to He's so on. good, man. I mean, you got to stay you, you got to play hard defense on. I think you got to make him drive. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think it, you got to play hard on his he's righty, right? You got to play on his right yeah. hand and you just sit on that right hand and make him put the ball on the floor with his left and make him finish if in the lane. He beats you from two, he beats you from two. But you you you've seen him beat him from three. You've seen him yeah. light it up from three. Look, that's he's not, a really good shooter and the happen. fact that LSU backed off him like he is a subpar three-point shooter is evidence of maybe the worst scout I've seen a team have on an individual player all year long. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Hey, in other news, just kind of... He's a 46.2% three-point shooter. Jeez. And LSU treated him like he was shooting 23%, half that. Yeah, I mean, they they let him... He is almost as good as Javen Williams. He three. almost shoots better from three. <laughs> he, he does shoot better. Uh, he almost shoots better from three than he does from two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, crazy. He, he, he's a fantastic player. I was going in the direction of in other college basketball news. Not that it has a lot of implication on the SEC, but did you see the announcement from Mike Bray, Notre Dame's head basketball coach, who's been there forever? Yes, Hall I did. Of yeah, I saw that he yesterday. Is, come he's up. stepping down after the year. Yeah. Saw that yesterday come up, I believe, while we were on the drive that came up. Um, and I don't think we talked about it very much. He's been there 23 yeah. years. Yeah. Long time. That's a long time. And they haven't sudden, been that relevant here recently, though. And I think that's why. I mean, I think. I mean, he's been there a long time. And Notre Dame, uh, I, and for me growing up, Notre Dame basketball was always a tournament team. They were always a competitor, right? It was always a team that would always make some noise. But, yeah, the last five or six years, they just haven't done a whole lot. He's taken them to 13 NCAA tournaments, back-to-back Elite Eights in 2015 and 2016. After that, it's just kind of been downhill a little bit, so I just thought that was noteworthy because he is a he's a legendary coach in college basketball. From 2017 to now, so after that 2017 season, he went to one tournament exactly, wow. which which is, just shows you how that that program kind of just like tapered off yeah and, and they're not firing him i think it's probably he realizes hey i've been here 23 years i think my time is probably I mean, done he has to be the winningest coach in that program's history oh i'm sure he well is. And, and it could also be a situation of like you saw with tommy tuberville back when auburn was you know going through that it was a hey you've done your time here and yeah. I, th- I think you need to i think you need to call it quits i think there was kind of an encouragement more yeah i, I will <laughs> say but the tommy we'll tuberville go with, auburn <laughs> situation we'll go with what's on probably the what's happening with mike bray yeah I, I maybe a little bit maybe a little bit but. i would agree so i think the other thing with it is and this is a little bit of a change topic but i'm interested to see who gets that louisville job because yeah. i think that's a sleeping giant louisville job texas job yeah if it's what big a Kentucky job, if that becomes a thing, I don't think it will. But nah, I don't if I am that. at a school that is historically a better program than Alabama, I am Nate Oates is the number one name I am talking to right now. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Maybe so. Muscleman number two. I know things haven't gone well this year. I don't. Th- I think that's a little bit outside of his control. I think if they're healthy, they're a really good team. Does the fact that Alabama hasn't really moved forward on a new arena does that play into his hundred percent? 
hundred percent has to. Has to. Oh, they, they had plans to do it and then they pushed it back and they said, no, we're going to wait. Like the fact that they don't do what, what he needs them to do, what he's been asking them to do. He has to beg fans to come to the non big games, right? If it's not a big ranked sec game on a Saturday, the fans don't show up yeah. in Tuscaloosa and he's having to beg them to go. So Mike Bray has about 80 more wins than the second coach in Notre Dame history, who is dear digger Phelps actually. Oh, how about that? I about him. How about, how about that? that? Haven't thought about how him a little about bit. that. <laughs> well, hey, let's talk a little Auburn, South Carolina, as the Tigers are on the road on Saturday, taking on probably the worst team in the SEC. But Auburn does not need to have that mentality going into the game tomorrow, two thirty on the SEC Network. Jack and Carter, you will both be live for after the game tomorrow yes, here on ESPN one zero six seven around. 4 45 5 o'clock as soon as the game's over tune in right here espn 1067 espnau.com and the espn 1067 app jack your thoughts on auburn on the road at south carolina tomorrow. i thought it was i thought it was really fascinating yesterday carter and i got to do the drive yesterday and we got to talk to whoop, whoop. zep jasper who i did not get to listen to that how'd that go really well really well actually um, he's been great on, is it every thursday every thursday at 5 30 for tiger takes on one of his answers and went for like five minutes yeah every every thursday well, he brings a lot he brings a lot of really good perspective just mm-hmm. from an inside the team yep. standpoint kind of what players are going through but i thought it was interesting because i had never heard a player say this i've i have uh i think we asked him about you know how do you stay focused for games i think carter asked him that and he said, well, obviously we know that you know South Carolina is a really bad team, but we're just going to go up there and we can't have that mentality. And I was like, well, but you just said that, that you have that mentality. So <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting. I think, I mean, it's obvious. These players know what the deal is. They know what's up. They keep track of everything. So they know it. I'm sure it's difficult for them to stay in, in the mindset. But at the same time, look, South Carolina's lost three games in a row at home by I believe we counted it to be 96 points now almost 100 points worth of losses at home in their past three games I don't see this any different Auburn's playing better on the road now South Carolina I don't think is as good as LSU so I will take Auburn by probably a lot in this I don't know if we're making picks yet or not but I I don't see a way that Auburn goes up there and uh, unless they completely fall apart shooting the ball Unless there is no, unless there's nothing dropping for Auburn, I, I don't, I don't think this is going to be very difficult for Auburn. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be what you saw in that second half where LSU cuts it to two and then Auburn just separates. Yeah, you might see that for forty minutes, and you might see that from opening tip. Just I think Auburn is figuring out it's a top three team in the SEC and is growing in confidence more and more and more and I don't think uh, South Carolina is feeling all that confident right now yeah and again I you're on the road in the SEC which is tough but Auburn's not going into a crazy environment tomorrow let's just be honest they're not South Carolina has never been an extremely tough place to play for Auburn in recent memory um, in basketball on the road and South Carolina is again they're horrible at home and they are probably the worst team in the SEC so you're on the road but it's not going to be as bad as it could be so for Auburn uh, I mean you just got to go and play your game same thing I said on Wednesday night for Auburn it's all about how they play how they perform what they do I, I don't even think it's about the opponent right now for this Auburn team I truly think it's about what they do on the defensive and offensive end because we know defense travels we know Auburn's defense is definitely going to travel how do they shoot how do they run the offense how do they carry themselves that's what 
depends, and that will determine how far this Auburn team goes in this season. I think another interesting point that was that you kind of allude to there is how do certain players come back from maybe some off nights? You had Alan Flanagan a couple of weeks ago. Well, I guess it was last week. Had seven turnovers every game. Came out and went 8.7 rebounds. I don't think he had no turnovers against LSU. Janai Broom, on the other hand, he's just had a couple of some of his poorer performances in the year. How does he come back and play against a team that's probably not going to be his most difficult matchup all year? So how does he play against, you know, kind of getting back into the flow of something? Yeah, I think Janai's an important conversation. Tomorrow could be a bounce-back game for him, huh, Carter? I 100% agree. I think it will be a bounce-back game for him. I think it's set up for Auburn to control the game and allow them to not, if he's having a slow start, not have to feel pressured to go away from him. I think they can take some time in this game, feed him, and have him get back in that rhythm that we saw him in for about a month. What does he have, 10 points combined in his last two games? He had six and then four, right? Yep, and then I think it actually may be the same for rebounds. I think it's like 10 or 11 rebounds. I've said Janai Broom should be a, a he should be a walking double-double. Yeah, oh yeah. He should be a walking double-double, at least. I think he could be he a 20 and Colin 10. Colin Castleton. Yeah, like, I think yes. he could be a 20 and 10 guy, easily. If yeah. Auburn if played through him and he does his thing consistently, I think he could be a 20 and 10 guy, but I think he needs to be a walking double-double with points and rebounds. Hey, let's get to our final break here on the Friday edition of On the Line. We'll come back, wrap it all up, talk more Auburn, maybe make a couple of picks, and we'll get out of here. This is the On the Line on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, Jacob Gowens, Carter Bird, joined by Jack Hutton in studio. Be sure to stay tuned. It's The Drive coming up. It is uh, Carter Bird and Brian Matthews who will be joining him here oh, in the snap. studio. So uh, that will be entertaining. Always uh, love hearing what Brian Matthews has to say. He, uh, he knows his stuff, and Carter has been doing a great job this week pulling double duty on our show and The Drive. So we appreciate him doing that. Um, just to kind of plug again, high school sports coming up tonight. I am heading over over to Lee Scott Academy uh, on AU100. That's 100.3 FM or, or AU100FM.com. Uh, the Warriors taking on the Fort Dale Eagles tonight. I'll be on the air uh, at 5 o'clock. The girls and then the boys will be right after Jack. You will be at Auburn High for Central. Yes, Auburn and Central. Women at 5.30. Men right after that one. Um, women trying to tie for the area lead. Men trying to win the area. Um, I, believe it's, I believe it would be outright as they would have the tiebreaker tonight. Um, had that confirmed earlier this morning so uh, yeah gonna be gonna be a good night for hoops in the area um, if you are not doing anything come on out to one of them and if you are doing something catch us on Auburn High will be on 96.3 W Lee and of course you heard um, Jacob and Lee Scott they'll be on 100.3 and so um, yeah big night for basketball big night for hoops yes and it uh, look it's getting down to uh, the end of the season. It's crazy that basketball season's already nearing the end as we get closer to the end of January and then tournament play will be in February. Then you know what follows that, don't you, Jack? Oh, yeah, baby. Baseball, baseball. and softball. Yes, baseball, that's right. Man, that's baseball coming up. It's crazy that we're almost there. But, um, hey, we got a couple of more minutes before uh, we get out of here. And uh, I, and I was telling you guys during the break, I swore I've told you this already, but I guess I didn't. I'm heading to Nashville this weekend. I have to call. I'm calling Lee Scott tonight, then driving to Birmingham tonight, then 
getting up and driving to Nashville tomorrow with my dad. We are going to uh, the Predators game, the hockey game tomorrow night. So I'm going to Nashville this weekend. We Good had for to, you. Have fun, to, buddy. How, we had to how throw it around the horn. Year? They're decent. I mean, they're not. They're not great. I don't think they're a playoff team right now. Um, but they're yeah. they're kind of on the outside looking in. I got you. But I, got you. I I love. Look, if you listen to this show for the last year since I've been on here, you know I love hockey. I don't talk about it because nobody cares here, and I yeah. understand it's totally fine. But I really enjoy going to hockey games, and they say that the Predators is one of the best atmospheres to go and watch hockey games. So I am excited to go and oh, experience yeah, yeah. that I've, for the first I've, time. I've been to a couple Preds games. Um, I watched the an average Stars team a couple years ago just destroy them in their oh, yeah. home rink. And I watched them. I think they beat somebody. Yeah. Uh, the the second game, I can't remember who. I got to make make it to a uh, Red Wings game at some point because one of my best friends uh, is, Lives the, in Detroit? is the in-house beat writer for the Detroit really? Red, Red Wings. That's pretty cool. Is okay. there a, is there a, I can't I don't know crap about hockey. Is there a team in like Indiana, Illinois, like Chicago? I guess Chicago and, Fox, and yeah. yeah. There's no team in Indiana. Yeah, I was going to check. There's a team in Ohio. Carter, Carter's a Colts fan. Indianapolis. Mm, yeah. So I was wondering if you had a connection up there with hockey. Uh, I mean, I guess when I was up there in Chicago, I I spent some time following the uh, the Blackhawks. The Black but yeah. I mean. I don't really have a set team. I just love yeah. watching the postseason. Yeah, postseason's so awesome. But, hey, look, I'm going to Nashville. I thought I told you guys that, but I guess I didn't. So I've got a very busy weekend. Uh, but, uh, again, lots going on. Lee Scott on AU100 tonight, 5 o'clock. That's 100.3. Jack, you'll have Auburn High School on 96.3 W. Lee. Tune in to these guys tomorrow afternoon, evening for after the game here on ESPN 106.7, right after uh, Auburn and South Carolina. Final picks for the game tomorrow predictions, gentlemen. Jack, you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, look, I I don't think that I don't think South Carolina can match up to what Auburn has. Uh, I think Auburn's playing at a level now on the road, even that I think is going to be very conducive to then getting a lot of wins. Conducive. Um, look at you. Hey, you like that word? word Did of you the Google day? that during that, the break? Baby. Bring it. Um, no, I have. I, I think I've got Auburn winning by. I I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say dominating performance. I'm gonna say eighty. To 58 is your final. Wow. I'm going to say Auburn just has one of their best performances of the year and puts that away early. I agree that Auburn's going to dominate. I think they're going to dominate more than you have it by. I've got Auburn winning this one like 82-51. Wow. That is... Almost doubling yeah. that up again. Auburn's is going Auburn's going to be favored by about 14. They're definitely going to cover. I've got Auburn winning. I'll go 82 to 60. That's okay. my final. This score. team's cracked 60 twice in conference play. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> high school sports tonight, Lee Scott and Auburn High after the game tomorrow here on ESPN 1067. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.